Open your Bibles, if you would, to Malachi 3, the last book in the Old Testament, just a couple of chapters before the end of the Old Testament, before the book of Matthew in the New Testament. Malachi 3, I'm going to be sharing from there in a few minutes. Today we're concluding our series called His House, Our House, My House. We've been talking about God's house, how valuable it is to God, how valuable it should be to us. The first week of this series, and this is our fourth week, but the first week I talked about the purpose of God's house. The next week, Pastor Ann talked about your value in God's house. And everybody here is valuable to God's house, every one of us. Last week, Pastor Zach talked about the potential of God's house, what we can become when we're together in unity. And today, in finishing this series, I want to talk to you about the blessing of God's house. Everybody say blessing. How many of you like it when we talk about God's blessings? Don't you like that? Man, I don't want to know about the blessings of God. I don't want to miss any of it. But today I'm going to open my heart to you and I'm going to share some things from God's Word that some of you maybe haven't been taught before. I'm going to show you some things from a, maybe a little different perspective that maybe you'll understand some things hopefully that uh, maybe were a little bit foggy to you before. But I'm going to talk today about the blessing that rests upon God's house and how you and I can participate in that blessing. And before we get started, let me back up for just a moment and let me talk for a minute about the very first week of this series because I think it's so important. The first week we talked about the purpose of God's house. If you don't understand the purpose of God's house in the earth, then everything else can get jumbled along the way. Everything else, your involvement, your respect for God's house, your faith in God's house, everything that, that relates to God's house. If you don't understand the purpose first, everything else can get jumbled. But today I, I want to go back and just share a, a couple of things, maybe three things real quickly that we talked about the first week of this series. Number one, God's house, when it was originally built in the Old Testament, the first tabernacle, going on to the first temple, going on to today in God's house. Number one, God's house was established, the first purpose was to, a, to a provide a place where God could dwell among his people. A dwelling place for God. Now, isn't that the purpose of your house? You have your house as a place where you can live, where you can rest, where you can dwell, where you can fa share family experiences and family blessings with each other. Well, God wants his house for the same purpose, a place where he can dwell on earth. And what we talked about in that first week, when they built the Old Testament tabernacle, as soon as they finished it, God came down. His spirit came down, as it were, in a cloud. And that cloud, that fog settled upon that tabernacle, and it was so heavy and so thick that they couldn't even move around to see where they were going and do the work of the ministry. And the point was, God said to his people in a very physical, feasible way, you have built a place for me to dwell. I am honored by that. And here, I will come dwell among you. We talked about the fact how God established that and he had his people build their tents around the house, around the tabernacle, so that all of their lives revolved around God's house. The, the second reason we see in scripture that God established his house was that God wanted a place where he could dwell on earth and do his work on earth. We talked about Jacob when he had that dream, when he called the name of the place Bethel, which means the house of God. If you go back to that story, uh, Jacob laid down one night, put his head on a rock. The next 
morning he woke and he'd had this amazing dream. And in this dream, he saw a ladder reaching from earth all the way up to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending back and forth between heaven and earth. And when Jacob woke up, he said, wow, this is the house of God. This place is awesome. And that word awesome in the writings literally means this is a place to be fearfully reverent. reverent. This is a place where I need to stop and honor God for what he really is. And in doing so, he said, man, there's no place on earth like this place. This is God's house. God hangs out here. But the interesting thing is, he said, the angels of God are ascending and descending. God's house in the earth is a place where God's will is done and his purposes are performed in the house. And it's important to God's house, to God's heart, and it needs to be important to our hearts. And, and then the third thing, we talked about the fact that God's house is a place where people can experience God's presence. God doesn't want to just come down and be seen. God wants to impact our lives. He wants us to experience him. We talked about Jesus cleansing the temple. When Jesus cleansed the temple, when he got finished, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Well, what is prayer? Prayer is a time when people connect with God. He said, my house will be a place where people connect with God. And then he went a little further, and afterwards he began to heal people and do these miraculous things. Second of all, it's a house of power. It's a house of power. When God's house is set in order and cleansed, it becomes a place where God can do his work among his people where we can experience the manifested goodness of God. Then, the, then the, finally, the last thing, in, in conjunction with that, Jesus talked about the fact that the house of God would become a house of praise because even the children ran into God's house, every generation praising God for the great and mighty things he was doing in their lives. God's house needs to be a place where we're praising God for what he's doing. And I you know in essence... What God said when he said, build me a house, he said, build me a place where I can come down, dwell among my people, and distribute my blessings. A place from which I can distribute my blessings. Now, this is not to say that God doesn't distribute his blessings every day. He does. But it's amazing what happens when we come together in the name of the Lord and begin to honor him. It's amazing how God begins to work among his people in his house. We experience God. We experience his power and his goodness. And with all of that in mind, I want to give you this thought. From the very beginning, when they first built a house for God, God let it be known that there's a blessing that rests upon the house of God. There is a blessing. Everybody say blessing. There is a blessing. There's something supernatural above our abilities that rests upon the house of God. But you know, if you go back and study God's word, you will find from the very beginning of time as we know it in scripture, from the very beginning, it was God's intention to bless his people and to bless his house. To bless his people and to bless his house. And the two blessings are connected. You know, for example, when God created Adam and Eve, he blessed them, Scripture says, and he says, be fruitful, multiply. My blessing is upon you. Later on, there's Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then there's Joseph. 
In every one of their lives, if you go back and study it, they were all very, very blessed by God. Everywhere they went, they were prospered, and they kept rising to the top because God's blessing was upon them. You look at Israel traveling in the wilderness. God's blessing was upon them. He gave them water from the rock and manna from heaven every single day. He gave them quail as a delicacy all the way to the promised land. God took care of them because his blessing was upon him. That's God's heart to bless us. You look at Israel when they entered into the promised land. Scripture says that when they got into the promised land, they inherited a land where the, the, the phrase was milk and honey flows there. In other words, there's amazing provision there. There were orchards that were already planted. There were vineyards that were already planted. There was beautiful valleys that were always rain, places where crops could grow. God gave that to them because his intention was to bless them. But then along the way, God said, let me show you how you keep my blessing upon your life. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. The writer of the Proverbs said, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6, Verse 33, Jesus is talking about food, clothing, and shelter. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First, 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 seek God first. And all these other things will be added unto you. Back at the end of the New Testament, near the end, when John is writing his epistles, 3 John verse 2, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Friends, hear me today. God wants his blessing to rest upon you. There's a blessing on his house, and he wants your life to experience the blessing that rests upon his house. But the two are connected, and we need to understand it. Look at Malachi chapter 3. <coughs> Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to begin at verse number 10. Malachi 3, verse 10. If you've got a Bible with you, I want you to feel free to underline these verses. If you've got a, a device, highlight these verses, because I want you to see them today, because these verses and the principles that are talked about here are some of the most misunderstood principles in all of Scripture. I'm going to explain it to you today. Malachi 3, verse number 10. God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Pause a minute. Do you know how few times in Scripture God says, try me? Try me? As a matter of fact, if you go back and read it in King James, what it says is, prove me. Prove me. It's the only place in the King James Bible where God says, prove me. Prove me. Put me to the test. See. See if I won't do this. Won't do what? Let's read on. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing." that there will not be room enough to receive it. In other words, there'll be more than enough. There'll be plenty for you. Verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, in these two verses, there are three things that I want to talk about for just a few minutes that every Christian believer needs to understand. Number one, the principle of the tithe. The word tithe means a tenth. It's 
God says in verse number 10, and I won't tell you what he says before because we'll come back to that later. But in verse 10, God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Bring the first 10% of all of your increase, all of your income, bring it into the storehouse. Now, a lot of people look at these scriptures about the tithe in the Old Testament, and they say, well, that's all Old Testament law. That's got nothing to do with life today. Well, let me stop for just a minute and share a couple things with you. If you go back and study the tithe, the first part, the first tenth, the first fruits, the tithe principle was being practiced before there was ever any Old Testament law. Let me walk you through it. How many remember the story of Cain and Abel? You know, there was Adam and Eve, and then they had sons, but the first two sons were Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. All right? Here's what happened. God asked them to bring something specific as a sacrifice to him. God asked for the first part. Scripture says that Abel brought God his first fruits, the first part of his income. He brought it and he gave it to God and God accepted it. Probably what happened was God sent fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. That's probably what happened. But then his brother Cain came along and he didn't bring the first fruits. He brought God an offering. What he basically said was, I know what you asked for, but I'm going to give you what I want you to have. So here, you can have this. And Scripture said there was no response from God. God said no. There was no fire. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. Cain got so angry, and God says, Cain, why are you angry? If you do what's right, you'll be blessed. If not, sin is sitting there at the door of your house. Cain got so angry, he went and killed his brother who had brought God an appropriate sacrifice. What a horrible story. But it gives us this principle that God says, bring the first part back to me to honor me. You go a little further. Abraham practiced tithing. Jacob promised to give the first tenth to God. So at least 400 years, probably several hundred years before the law was ever given, people were already practicing the tithe and giving to God, even back before the law was given. In the New Testament, we're told on the first day of the week by Paul to bring in as God has blessed us and give to God. Now, having said all of that, a lot of people get so confused about this. And I want to talk to you about this giving the first part to God. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 6. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. When he talked to the Jewish believers, they knew exactly what he was talking about. When he said the first, it meant that first part. Seek first the kingdom of God, the government of God, and his righteousness. Then all these other blessings will be added to you. Put God first. But why? Why? Verse 10, put it back up on the screen for just a second. I want to look at it one more time. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Here's something that every believer needs to understand. God has put the construction, the furnishing, and the maintenance of his house in the hands of his people. Old Testament and New Testament alike. Why? Why does God want me to give? To furnish his house. Why? Because his house is accomplishing his purposes in the earth. What's the provision for? It's for his house. 
It's for the needs of the house. Oh, yes, Old Testament, it was for the priesthood. New Testament, it operates that way too. But far, far, far beyond that, and most of the money goes to the work of God for the children, for the youth, for the worship, for the maintenance of the building, for the furnishing of the building, for the outreach that we do around the world. God said, bring the first part to my house so that there's provision in my house. Ultimately, ultimately, God said, bring me the first part as worship. Bring me the first part because you love me. You appreciate what I'm doing. You appreciate what I've done in your life and you want others to experience what I have done for you. Now get this, get this. The blessing that rests upon God's house to accomplish God's purposes, that same blessing is passed on to us when we take God's purposes to heart and we give to God's work. The same blessing is passed into our individual lives. Let me say it this way. When I give into God's house, I am blessing what God is blessing. Think about that. When I give into God's house, I am blessing what God is blessing. Let me say it this way. When I give into God's house, I am financing God's heart and God's purposes in the earth so god lays it out for his people and here's what he says bring the tithe into the storehouse now so many people read that and it's like man i i don't know how to get there you don't know where i'm coming from i'll talk about that in a minute man you know i can't even deal with this right now and we go on and here's what we miss god said if you'll bring the tithes in the storehouse god said here's what i will do number one I will open the windows of heaven over your life and pour out supernatural blessing beyond what you can provide for yourself. That's what he promised. That's what he promised. Now, you need to understand how this works because there's two things here. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven. If you study it out through scriptures, especially the Old Testament, it says when the sins of the people abound and sin fills the earth, it says the heavens become like brass. God said, if you'll give to me, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour blessing into your life. See, here, here's where people miss it. When Adam sinned, the curse that fell upon Adam was this. God said, all the days of your life, you're going to toil, you're going to work the earth, and the earth is going to resist you. You're going to try to raise your crops and you are going to sweat in the hot sun. You're going to labor hard just to try to make a living. He said there's even going to be thorns and thistles. Evidently in the Garden of Eden there were no thorns and thistles. It came with the curse. And what he said was because of sin, the earth, which evidently up until that time was just bountifully giving in the garden, God says from now on the earth will resist you. Can anybody in the house raise a hand and say, boy, that sounds like trying to make a living and make ends meet today. Sometimes things just resist me. That's because there's a curse that rests upon mankind. But when we're redeemed from the curse and we give our first part to God, God said, I see your labors. I see what you are doing and you need to do what you can do. But God says, when you honor me first, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour my super out upon your natural and you'll have supernatural blessing. That's God's promise. That's God's promise. Now, here's the second part of it. He went on to say, and I will then rebuke the devourer for your sakes. 
Some of you have never been taught this stuff, so let me walk you through this. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief, speaking of Satan, the thief comes not, but to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Do you know what Satan wants to steal? He wants to steal your provision. He wants to seal God's blessings out of your life. And God said, if you will honor me first, he said, I will rebuke the devout. I'll speak to Satan and say, back up and leave him alone. Quit stealing from him. Quit taking away things that belong to him. Quit causing his car to break down. Quit causing his refrigerator to go out. Quit causing his air conditioning to die. God says, I'll put supernatural blessing on your house, and I'll command the enemy to leave you alone. Now, I like that. I like that, Well, That's not really what he's talking about. That's exactly what he's talking about, friend. I want everybody to listen very closely to me. God wants you to be blessed. He's not going to make you all lottery winners. As a matter of fact, you've got to quit buying the tickets. And put it in the offering instead. You'll pay, you'll pay better dividends. All you're doing is making somebody else rich. I say this all the time. People say, oh, God, help me win the lottery, because if I win the lottery, I won't have to trust you anymore. And God says, nah, let's pass on that one. Please hear me today. God wants to bless you. People say, well, you preachers get up there and you talk about money and you just want to fleece us and get our money. No, all I want to do is get God's blessing in your life. That's all I want to do. I can't guarantee anything to you, but God has made promises to you and God cannot lie. And you need to take God at his word and believe his promises. He wants to bless you. Some of you don't realize God wants to get involved in your financial material needs, but you've got to give him something of faith to work with. And you read on a little bit later. You know, it says, God says, I'll rebuke the devourer. He's going to stop stealing from you. I'm going to bless you. He turns right around and look at verse number 13. Here's what happens in verse 13 of Malachi 3. God says, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it's useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and we've walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? In other words, God says, you say, you, say, you say some pretty harsh things about me. What are we saying? You're saying God won't bless you. God won't bless you. God said, that's pretty harsh. It's pretty harsh. See, some of you have been taught, well, God will bless you spiritually, but all the rest of it, you're on your own. Not if you understand the law of tithing is not. Because that's what puts us in a place to experience God's supernatural blessing in our lives. You've been taught wrong about that. And God said, why do you say there's no use in this? Can, can I just real quickly give you three reasons why people tend not to give? I'm talking about Christian people. I'll give you three reasons why. Number one, we don't understand the scriptural principles of giving because we've not been taught. A lot of churches just don't teach it. Well, it's, it's Old Testament and some people won't buy it and we don't want to offend anybody. Offend anybody? Man, like Zach was saying a couple weeks ago, man, if I told you about this investment that would pay amazing returns, everybody would want to get in on it. If I tell you God will open the windows of heaven over your life and keep the enemy from stealing with you, everybody ought to want to get in on this. I, I, this is not an offense. This is a blessing. It's a blessing. But everything that happens with God is a step of faith, including our giving. And God honors that faith. And the first reason why people tend not to give is they don't understand the principles of giving. The second reason why is 
we don't believe God's promises. And I'm not, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I want to help people today. We don't understand or we don't believe God's promises. Galatians chapter 6. I'm not going to read it, but you can go home and read it. Galatians 6 verse 7. Paul's talking about this very thing about giving, about being a blessing to other people in need. You know what he said about it? He likened it under sowing and reaping, planting seed and then waiting for it to grow and reaping a harvest. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that is what he's going to reap. He says, don't mock God. Don't laugh at God. You know what the word mock there means? It means to make faces. Don't mock God. Don't mock God. We need to understand that God's promises and his blessings are true. That whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap. You plant one seed and what do you get back? You get back a plant with many, many ears of corn. It multiplies many times back into our lives. He said, don't be deceived about it. Before you leave this place today, I hope, I hope something arises inside of you that you begin to believe God's promise is true. If I don't believe God's promise is true, I wouldn't give either. But I've learned. God said, prove me. Put me to the test. See if it'll work. Well, I gave once and it didn't work for me. Be consistent. Put him to the test and see what he'll do. See what he'll do. He'll open the windows of heaven over your life. We need to believe God's promises today. And then the third thing, and I think this is one of the most common things that happens. People come to God and they, they hear the message and they hear about the promises and their heart gets excited. And it's like, man, I want to see God get involved in my finances. And then they sit down and look at it and say, oh, man, I, I got my house payment and my car payment and the kids and the clothes and the, man, there's not 10% left over. See, see, that's why God established that we structure our lives where that 10% goes first ahead of everything else. And what happens is we get discouraged. And we say, well, I can't do it right now, but someday, someday when I'm in a different place and I get a big raise or, I don't know, somebody dies and leaves me a bunch of money, then I'm going to start doing it. And then we say, and God knows my heart. The problem is God does know our heart because out of the abundance of the heart, we act and we speak. You say, well, Pastor Gary, you don't understand. You know what? I don't know everybody's situation. But I got to tell you something. If you can't give God 10% today, can I make a suggestion to you? Give him something and put some seed in the ground and then start praying, start working, trying to figure out how to restructure your finances. You need, may need to get a little cheaper house. You may need to get a little cheaper car. You may need to stop doing this and stop doing that. But if you can structure your money where you can give God the first 10%, God's going to open the windows of heaven and God's going to begin to bless you like you've never been blessed before. Because he said he would. He said he would start somewhere. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about these things. And it says... How we sow is how we're going to reap. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. But he goes on to make this statement, and I love this. He says, God gives everybody bread for food and seed for sowing. In other words, out of that income, God's given you the ability to designate some as seed to give back to God, some as 
what you're going to live off of, bread for food. But I have to structure God's part first. There's no condemnation in this. Pray, give it to God, start giving God what you can and see if God doesn't bless your life. And finally, Malachi chapter 3, the last part of this message. Go back to verse number 8. I'm doing this in reverse order because if you start at verse 8, a lot of people tune out before you even get started. But I'm going to explain this to you. Everybody look and say, he's going to explain it to us. Malachi 3, look at verse 8. God asked the question, will a man rob God? Look, look right here a minute. Really? Really? Every time I read that, that, that part of that verse, will a man rob God? Really? Really? goes on to say, God says, you have robbed me. You say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Really? Really? You know what my natural carnal mind says? Does God really need my 10% more than I need it? Really? I mean, God's up in heaven. All he has to do is speak word and snap his fingers. And man, he can make anything. He can create it. Does God really need my money? God has put his house and the provision of his house in our hands. And God says, take it to heart like I do. And you know, as I read this, and I think about it. Many times I've read that and all I can see is, oh man, I'm going to church and I'm wearing striped pajamas because I am stealing from God and God is going to throw me in the jail. Two things. Number one, when I refuse to give, I rob God of provision for his house. When I refuse to give, I rob God of provision that's needed in his house. Somebody was asking me a question between services. Can I tell you guys a little secret today? You know, we're, we're in a campaign and we're going to be receiving a special offering to do some work in our building. Do you know why we from time to time receive special offerings? I'll tell you why. If everybody that calls this church home gave their first part to God, we would never have to ever take a special offering. We'd never have to. And I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody, but I want you to open your eyes to God's blessings today. I don't want anybody to leave this place thinking, well, God sees me as a criminal and a thief, and he said he's going to curse me. No, what he's saying is, if you don't want his blessing and you don't want to participate in what's important to him, then you walk out from under the blessing and you walk right back out under the curse that fell upon mankind and you're going to have to do it your own way. You choose it. You choose it. When I refuse to give to God, I rob God of having provision in his house. Number two, when I refuse to give, I rob God of the pleasure of blessing me. Did you hear that? If I don't give to God, I rob him of the pleasure of blessing me. I love to bless my kids. I love to bless my, I love to do things for my kids. And 
I mean, I, I just love to do things, and they say, you don't have to do that, Dad. I can, no, no, I want to do this. I love to take them out to dinner, especially Taco Tuesday, because it's really cheap. But <laughs> I love to take them out to dinner. You know, I, I love to go golfing with my boys and pay for their golf. I, I like to buy them gifts. I like to do things for them. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because it's so much joy in my heart when I can give to my children. When we don't give to God, we rob him. The blessing he's put upon his house, he wants to pour it into our lives. But if we don't participate in his house, we tend to miss his blessing. God wants to bless you. Some 90 years, I'm almost finished. Some 90 years before Malachi was written, there was a prophet whose name was Haggai. Haggai got a word from God and he shared it. It was written down and recorded 90 years before this. And here's what God said through Haggai. You see it in Haggai 1 and Haggai 2. God said to his people, consider your ways. He said, look at your houses. Your houses are beautiful. They're secure. They're paneled. They're all boarded up. Everything's nice in your house. It's all set in order. But God said, look at my house. Look at my house. Did my house is a mess. And God said, you wonder why you work hard and you open up your purse or you open up your wallet and there's no money there? You feel like, man, there must be a hole in my purse. There must be a hole in my, where'd that 20 go? Where'd that $100 bill go? Where'd that five go? Where'd my money go? God says, it's because you've forsaken my house. And the essence of the story was, God said this, God said, if you'll build my house, I'll build your house. I'd like to have God build my house, wouldn't you? I'd like to have God's blessings on my house. God said, you take my heart, you put it first, and you build my house, and then I'll put my heart in your house, and I'll take care of your house too. And finally, he said, in Haggai, he said, is there still seed in the barn? If so, get in the ground because I want to bless you. I want to bless you. From this day forward, I will bless you. Giving is not about losing X number of dollars. Man, I, yeah, I, I can't do anything this week because I, I gave money at church. It's not about losing money. Well, I was going to go do this, but now I can't because I did that at God's house. It's not, it's not about losing. It's about planting seed for a harvest in the future. It's about bringing God's blessings into my life. And giving is not about the past. It's about the future. It's about the future. Last story I want to tell you. 18, almost 18 years ago now, my whole world fell apart. Don't need to tell the whole story because all the details don't matter, but over a period of time, about a year or two, I lost everything I'd ever worked for, everything I'd ever had. I lost everything. I was living in somebody else's house, driving somebody else's car. Toughest thing I ever encountered in my entire life. I had, except for my clothes, I had pretty much nothing. And I 
in that season started attending this church. I'd been pastoring. I resigned my church where I was, and I started attending this church. For several months, I, I worked a couple of secular jobs. I was trying to figure out how to take care of my boys, how to move forward with life. And God spoke two things to me. Number one, he said, you honor me first. I'm living in somebody else's house, driving somebody else's car, eating somebody else's food, trying to take care of two boys. In the middle of all of that, God said, honor me first. Every paycheck I got, and I got to tell you, it was never enough. It never, never, ever was enough. Every paycheck I got, the first part went to God. I honored God's word. The second thing, sitting in church one night, we had a special service, and they were receiving a special offering. And I'm sitting in that service, and I'm looking down saying, God, I'd love to give a good offering, but God, I, don't, I, don't, I paid tithes Sunday, and I, don't, I, can't even, I can't even pay my bills. What am I supposed to do? Well, I looked down. I had two things left to my name. I had a watch that had been given to me as a gift. It wasn't an expensive watch, but it had a gold band. The, the band was very expensive, solid gold, heavy. And on my finger, I had a ring with a big diamond in it. And God said, you've still got something. I took it off and put it in the offering. I walked out of there that night with nothing except a whole lot of seed in the ground. And I watched God begin to turn my life around. First this, and then this, and then this. About two years later, I was on staff at this church. Actually, a little less time than that. About a year later, I was on staff at this church. A few years later, I was pastor of this church. Can I just tell you today, I've got more blessing in my life today than I've ever had before. And it's not because I'm special, it's because I believe God. And I just give him, just give it to him. Ann and I have been so blessed. We've been able to give offerings to God above our tithes. I mean, he's been so good. We've been able to give more to God than I ever dreamed we could ever give. And the more we give, the more he opens the windows of heaven. But it starts with little things and it grows from there. I want to pray for you today. I just want to pray that God's blessing will rest upon you. And this message today would find a place in your heart. And God will just help you understand your future. Can we pray? Bow your heads if you would. Father, I pray for everybody in this house today. I ask you to bless their lives. Enlighten them and show them how great your promises are and how true they are. God, let them see how much you want to do for them. Let them know you want to put your super upon our natural and just see amazing blessings come our way. But we've got to put you first and put our trust and our faith in you. If we'll put you first, it's an expression of our trust. You bless our lives. Father, do this in us in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed for just one more minute, please. You might be here today and maybe you've never heard anyone share a message like this. And I know what's happening right now. The enemy is saying, well, you know, he's just trying to get your money. No, you say what you want to say, do what you want to do. You can do what you want to do with your money. It's up to you. But his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never heard that there's a God who loves you so much that he cares about that financial load that you're carrying. 
and he wants to help you with it. Maybe nobody's ever told you that God loves you so much, he wants to bless your life like you've never been blessed before and take that pressure off of you. Maybe no one's ever told you that God loves you so much he put his own son on a cross, horrible death to pay for your sins, that you could become one of his children. If you've never heard that, I want you to know today God loves you that much. He cares for you. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity to come into relationship as a child with that God who wants you to be his son or his daughter. Maybe right now that there, there's something inside of you tugging on your heart and you're thinking, man, I would love to know God that way that I could know he was concerned about everything going on in my life. You can. You can know him today, right now you open your heart to him and let him in right now the spirit of god may be knock on the door of your heart and you just need to open up and say come in you see how do we do that we do it with words with a prayer i want to lead you in a prayer there's nothing special about my words but wrap your heart around these words let them become yours i'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this with me right now say god i need you and i open my heart to you please come into my life i believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins and was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the God of my life. So please come and live in me. Change me from the inside out. I will follow you. From this day forward, you are my Father. And I am your child. Thank you for receiving me today. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and welcome people into God's family today? If you opened your heart to God and you made that decision, right now you say, man, I got a million questions about this. Well, we want to help start answering some of those questions got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. I want to give this to you. When service is over today, there'll be some prayer teams here at the front of the building, three or four of them. Just walk down to the front and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right here, no strings attached. If you want to talk to them, got any questions, or if you want prayer for something, they're here to pray with you. If you're in a big rush, you can go to the Connection Center out in the lobby, get the same booklet there, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God, okay? God bless you. Now. At this point in time in our service, I want about two or three minutes of your time. I've been talking about this for a few weeks. If, if you're a visitor with us today, there's no pressure on anybody to do anything. But I want, I want to share with you what we're doing. Our church, this house, God's house, we're now, this building is now 10 years old. Our building's got 10 years of thousands of people week after week coming through this building. It's starting to show its age. The construction of the building was on us. The maintenance, the upkeep is on us. And what we've decided to do is as a church, take one project at a time and stop, start updating our building. We're gonna start in the entryway, the lobby, all the front area of our church. That's the first thing people see when they walk through the doors. Our church is about connecting, connecting people with God, connecting people with people. We're going to redesign a little bit of our entryway in our lobby. We're going to open up our bookstore and take out walls so the bookstore connects to the coffee shop and to the lobby. We're going to do some construction, some reconstruction, some deconstruction, a whole lot of stuff in there. 
We're going to open that whole area up. We're going to get all new furnishings in there and make it much more conducive to people connecting after service. If you notice after service today, our coffee shop will be jammed with people sitting around visiting. We want to multiply that area. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing new flooring. We're going to be doing, as I said, some construction work out there. Got to go through the county and get permits. Um, the flooring itself, tearing up all the tile, putting in new tile, paint work. We're going to get all new coffee equipment where you can get a real latte and a real mocha cappuccino, not just the uh, 29-cent coffee. Okay? And I know it's, it's more than that, but... Uh, did you get my message? We're, we're going to update the coffee shop, make it really nice so people can come in and enjoy it before service and after service. Uh, for the worship pastors, we're even going to have Raspberry Sparkle out there. I mean, we're going to have it all. But, but here's the point. Along with that, we're putting all new security cameras, not just in our lobby, but in our children's area, in our youth area. There's a lot of things that need to be updated after 10 years. We're going to be doing that as well. Uh, one little side note I hadn't even talked about until today. There's a gentleman who attends our church some, and he pulled me aside a few weeks ago and said, if you'll get some volunteers, I'm going to donate all the plants, all the shrubs to redecorate all the driveways of the church along with the entryway. So we're going to be doing that. So I'll be calling on you to help with that as well a little bit later this month. But we're going to make this place beautiful. When people walk in, in under this property, into the doors of this church, they're going to realize there's a God who loves them. There are people who care about them. We're going to make it beautiful because it's God's house. It's God's house. And we're going to give you a chance to participate in that. It's going to cost us over $200,000 to do all of this. Some of you can give $100,000. Some of you can give $1,000. Some of you can give $10,000. Some of you say, well, I can't do that, but I can do something. You know what? This is not our regular tithes. This is a special offering for this project. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Everybody, when you walk through the door today, you receive one of these cards that says his house, our house, my house. You put your name, your address, phone, email on there, and there's two boxes at the bottom. One says, I want to give a one-time offering of X number of dollars. You can fill that out if you're giving a one-time offering today. Or you can make a pledge to be paid over the next month by the 1st of November. I know a lot of you will want to do this. Ann and I have been praying about it. God's given us a number, and God is stretching our faith. It's a large amount for us, but you know what? God will bless us for our giving. He always does. I want to encourage you today, trust God. Has God's house made a difference in your life? Did you know in the last 10 years, the thousands of people who come to Jesus in this building, just the last two years, we've had 16, 1,800 people at least come to Jesus in this facility. Just imagine what's going to happen in the next 10 years. But we can't do it with the last 10 years furnishings out there. It's time to update. If you walk out in the lobby, if you just glance around, it doesn't look too bad. If you get up close and look, we got cracked tiles, we got areas that are painted and scraped. It's time for us to update God's house. We're going to do it together. So I want to encourage you to give today. Last thing is this. If you write a check today, put it in an envelope, write on your check, God's house or offering for God's house. Write something on that check. And if you would fill out this card and fold it up and put it in the envelope as well. If you're just making a pledge, you can drop the pledge in today. But if you're putting a check in, make sure you designate that check and put it with this card so we don't double count it, okay? Hey, God bless you. Now, we're going to receive this very special offering today. We'll be doing this over the next month, although we'll combine it in all one offering the next few weeks. We're going to ask the ushers to come. Did anybody not get a card? If you didn't get a card, get your hand up quickly, and I'll make sure the ushers reach you right now, right back here to the left, over here in the middle. 
Just a handful of people did not get a card. Wives, don't worry about it. If God put a number in your heart, don't worry about asking your husband. He's okay with it. Go ahead and write that check, okay? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Husbands and wives, you need to do this in agreement. In agreement. Make sure everybody gets a card. I'm going to give you just a minute. I know you need to fill it out quickly. If you're already in our database, you can just put your name on there, so forth. Be sure and write it on your check as well if you're giving a check today. I'm going to ask everyone, please don't leave until we're finished because it makes it really difficult for the ushers and security team to secure the offering if people are moving around during the offering. But what we're going to do is the worship team is going to come. We're going to do one of the songs we did early on in service about God's house. We're going to worship as we sing. And as you give today, 